Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast, and it is good to be here today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Gavriel Hakoen, and I am here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Sadie Carpenter, and it is the season of romance. That is right. It is February, and love is in the air. For Valentine's Day is less than a week away, and now is the time for finding emergency dates purely out of desperation. But before we get into that, um, just like to say to all of our listeners that this is the podcast, the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about Sadie Carpenter's life in the independent fundamental Baptist cult. And today we are actually talking about the IFB. We're not uh, going into some IFB adjacent topic, but we aim to educate and to inform our listeners about this cult. And about other cults and the real danger that this one and, you know, Christian fundamentalism in general poses to society as a whole. We promote freedom of thought, freedom of mind, and freedom of religion. And freedom to take your spouse or significant other out to a actual romantic evening on or around valentine's day if you would like to do so and not feel obligated to uh eat cold spaghetti in a church basement instead Ugh, not very romantic 
Well, we'll get into that. We will get into that. Um, but before we do, uh, I, w- I just have to do this whole spiel where I say to all of our listeners that the Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast. If you want to support us, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Leaving Eden podcast. You can join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash Eden Exodus. Uh, tell your friends and family, download our theme song. Or do what some super awesome listeners did this week. Uh, we caught some of y'all uh, promoting us to y'all, other people. Y'all, okay, you're Southern. It's fine. What? The, the y'all is a name for a group of people. I know. You, do you need me to explain the grammatical connotations of, of y'all and y'alls and you alls? And all y'all? And, and all y'alls, because I can go into that. Oh, you know what? We can talk about that. You know what, though? I, I feel like I feel like it's very interesting that you know y'all is a very is a very southern expression and that that has been like co-opted by people trying to be more inclusive of various gender identities and to to you know not use so many gendered terms and so they're like y'all as more of like a collective term i think that's a very fun juxtaposition right there Oh yeah, I think I think that's great. Uh, I think a lot of people are really enthusiastic about using y'all because it's a it's that's a fully true. gender neutral word, and that's something that is going to be important yes. as our yes, lexicon yes, yes. kind of changes. Um, but I was going to say we caught some listeners uh, promoting us on Reddit, on the it was specifically the Fundy Snark subreddit. Uh, so uh, that was cool, uh, and then. We also had a listener promoting us pretty well on Twitter. And that was just that was really exciting to see because of course we appreciate our patrons on Patreon so much. We're they are going to make it possible for us to do some really cool things in the future. But for people who can't support us financially, it is equally wonderful when you recommend us to other people. Because all of our growth so far has been organic. It's all been word of mouth. 100%. We haven't paid for any of it. Right. So somebody recommends us to somebody else and then they recommend us to a third person and that's how we grow. So we wanted to thank the people who have been uh, doing such awesome promotion for us on the internet this week. We love you. We see you. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was super cool of you. Yeah. But back to the matter at hand. Uh, It is February valentine's day is your birthday is this week but also valentine's day is this week yep uh and i'm i'm really glad i wasn't born on valentine's day oh no that's the worst see i know people who are like born on christmas and they're just like yeah "Yeah." and then my parents are like "Eh, we can make it count for both and they're like no give me double i won't be cheated like this see my birthday is is a couple days before valentine's day but there is a break so Mm -hmm. I I di- I typically get birthday presents and Valentine's presents, and I get to double dip. Uh, I have a friend whose birthday is on St. Patrick's Day, but that's oh. not a presents holiday, so I don't think it's the same thing. No, that's just a, I I have an excuse to everybody wants to party on my birthday. Yeah, well, I don't see, know if that's good or bad. I don't know either, but I don't really. I mean, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day in any kind of extravagant manner. You know, I'm more excited about February 15th because that's discount chocolate day. Oh, yeah. Get those calories up for the baby, just like the doctor said. I'm going to go buy like so much discount dark chocolate. (laughs) It's going to be the best. Yeah, Um, they're going to – I tell you, you're going to like pull through – somebody's going to be going through your trash and they're going to be like, oh, wow, somebody had a really (laughs) romantic evening. No, just just me (laughs) watching The Crown. (laughs) 
<laughs> with a is lot that of your new show. Okay, yeah. I'm almost I've almost watched all the way through The Crown, okay. and I'm I'm super into it. Um, no, so anyway, with my birthday being right before Valentine's, there's no reason for my husband and I to go to a restaurant on the busiest restaurant night of the year. So what we get to do is we get to just go out for dinner on my birthday, and we're celebrating my birthday. And we got we got together around this time, around like second week of February a few years ago. So it's an anniversary, and it's a couple days before Valentine's Day. So we do something a few days before. And then on Valentine's Day, we just cook at home. My husband is a really, really good cook. And I imagine he'll probably make a steak this year. So usually he does the meal, and then I do the dessert. So I'm thinking for my half, I'm thinking I'll do some chocolate lava cake. I've never made lava cake before, but I bet it's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, anything with lava, that just sounds... uh like absolute fire pun intended (laughs) no i I, i'm getting my second coronavirus shot on the 10th so that might take me out for like a few days because i heard that the second shot is worse than the first one so if i'm not single on valentine's day who knows maybe i'll be like hey do you want to come over and bring me some soup i had my covid shot i'm tired but who knows (laughs) Oh gosh! But if I am, then I can just be like, "Oh well, I didn't do anything. I had my, uh, I had my COVID shot, so I was like yeah. in bed." Yeah. Do you feel okay? Wait, do you feel pressured to like have done something on Valentine's Day if you're a single person? Is that a thing? I, you know, it can go either way. Because like, say you're like casually dating somebody, then like Valentine's Day comes and you're like, okay, like. What's oh, going like, on here? Like you don't know like the protocol. Yeah, like if you're like casually, da- like if you've been on like three or four dates with somebody, like and this has happened to me before, where I've been on like three or four dates with somebody. I don't know if it's going somewhere, and then Valentine's Day comes, and I'm just like, "What do I do? I don't want to send a message that this is serious before it's serious, and also I don't want to say nothing." Because then it's just like, oh, he ignored me on Valentine. Like, that's like a gauntlet that you have to learn Uh how to thread. And I will tell you that I have definitely gotten this wrong more than once. See, that sounds sounds super, super complicated. It is super complicated. Have you ever been like casually dating during Valentine's Day? Has that ever happened to you? Okay, see. Like, no, I haven't. Uh, I, no. No, I no, it was so Valentine's Day was like literally right before I actually started dating my husband. See, there you go. Like a couple days before. See, that's the thing is that like that's why like fall is like cuffing season because you get somebody, you have to get somebody who you can be like, okay, eat Thanksgiving with this person, holidays with this person, and then month and a half to Valentine's Day with this person. Okay. Here we go. Like that, you got like your three month thing going on. And then, if you, after that, if you want to break up, you can. But like, if you just start dating somebody in like January, because you don't want to start dating somebody right before New Year's, there's like a, oh, that's true. It's just like, okay, let me let like start of January is like your, you know, is like your window, right? And then, you know, month and a half in, then you can be like, okay, well, we'll go on a date for Valentine's Day. But if it's like maybe three weeks in, do you go on a date for Valentine's Day? 
Who knows? See, now that now that I'm thinking about it, so you were asking me if I'd ever been casually dating around Valentine's. That's yeah. why I don't get this. Because a lot of my relationships have had like a lot of my more serious relationships have had like late February anniversaries. Mm. See, that's smart. It's because people don't want to get into catching, something. Yeah, that's why. The bounce after Valentine's Day. See, that's the other thing that people will do is that like if you're a single guy, like I saw this on How I Met Your Mother. I've never actually done this myself, is that if you're a single guy, you can like try to go to a bar on February 13th, February 14th and be like, yeah, let me like all these women who are like sad about being single. Let me see if I can prey on somebody who's sad and vulnerable. Um Oh, which fine. seems kind of, yeah, which seems kind of mean. Uh, it was something that Barney Stinson did on How I Met Your Mother. I don't know if you've seen that show. Oh, I, I love so How I Met Your yeah. Mother is, is actually probably going to warrant an episode at some point. I love um, that show. I've seen every How I like, Met Your Mother times. is what I watched when I was first getting out of the IFB. And so you're like, oh, this is what it's like. And then it's not. <laughs> yeah, but like, okay, but the way that people speak to each other. Like the way that I know that the, a lot of the way that people act on that show is not very realistic, but the the cadence of modern speech, like like speech without using King James Bible quotes all over the place. Um, yeah, there is oh, there is actually yeah. there is very much a dialect within the IFB of like the 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 vocabulary choices that you make and the sentence structure choices that you make. And learning to not sound like that and learning to sound like just like anybody, any other normal person. Okay, we need to have an episode on that sometime. Yeah, that but that's like that's what awesome. How I Met Your Mother was for me. I don't know. I feel like Valentine's Day, though, it's like such a, such a social pressure occasion. And I think it's just so impractical. It's, yeah. it's Oh, it's a day on the calendar. So you've got to buy somebody hundreds of dollars worth of jewelry or – you know, you've got to you've got to go out to dinner. You've got to spend X amount, or you've got to get you know giant boxes of chocolate bigger than that person's head. And I I just I just rebel against that so hard. It's all I want is my husband to make me dinner and get me like I don't know a bag of Dove dark chocolate that I like. Mm. You know, I don't need That's I don't all anybody need really wants. fancy. I don't need I don't need somebody to spend a whole bunch of money on me. So no, we're coming up on Valentine's Day, right? Um as I understand it, the IFB we could say are very, very, very big on romantic love, on monogamy, unless you're David Hiles, you know, couple of shit. And so I'm assuming that they made a very big deal out of Valentine's Day. So, yes, but maybe not the way that you think. So the IFB is pretty big on recruiting working class or lower middle class people. So their average member might not be the kind of person who can make a grand romantic gesture. This is more like you're thinking more the kind of person who would just take their partner to a nice dinner. So when you're talking about grand romantic gesture, they can't stand outside of somebody's house with a boombox playing my way, but with the words changed to be about Jesus being mm. sung by some <laughs> assistant pastor who is has massive delusions of grandeur. I mean, number one, it's 2020. Where is anybody going to find a boombox? No, Goodwill, eBay. Really? Facebook Marketplace. 
So just like the IFB have a reason to have you in church (laughs) on Thanksgiving, Christmas, Halloween, New Year's, Fourth of July, so on and so forth. They also have a reason to have you there on Valentine's Day, and that is the time-honored tradition that we know as the Valentine's Banquet. Yeah, so I've been meaning to ask you about that because like in one of our earlier episodes, I think it was like the Mountain Moo episode, you brought up the Valentine's Banquet. So do you maybe want to give us a bit of a refresher on what that was? Yeah. So what we talked about in the Mountain Moo episode was specifically the Hiles Anderson Valentine Banquet. So we talked about dating activities, which are the three or four big traditional activities that Hiles Anderson hosts every year to encourage their students to get together and date each other in a Hiles Anderson approved way. And these activities are, they've kind of become tradition. So they're pretty much the same every year and they're heavily chaperoned. Oh, okay. So it's like movie night at summer camp. And the camp counselor shouts hand check and everybody has to put their hands in their hair <laughs> in the air to make sure that they're not holding hands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so nobody's getting frisky while you're watching The Princess Bride. Uh, sure, sure. Except yeah. for it's it's not movies, but yeah. Yeah. So I assume that so this is sort of like IFB prom, you know, knowing who's going with who and who wants to go with who, but who, you know, he likes her, but she doesn't like him, like that sort of thing. And that's kind of a big deal. Right. And I think we referenced that on at least one episode, kind of the because I caused a lot of drama because I got I had I had a, a really good friend of mine ask me to go to the Valentine's banquet just as friends because neither one of us had a date date and we didn't want to be called out by Jack Scop in chapel for not having a date. And then I actually got asked on a date. <laughs> so I went to the Valentine's banquet twice and uh, it, it just made the, the biggest splash in all of existence. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the drama is really entertaining unless you're the focus of it. Yeah. And Jack's- I, know, I like being the focus of the drama. <laughs> well, you can go to I'm uh, such a Samantha. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can go to um, <laughs> you can go to Hiles Anderson and take two dates to two different val- nights of the Valentine banquet and cause drama. Of course, you know that if I went to Hiles Anderson, then my social standing would be so low that no one would want to date me. I'd be too yeah. much of a bad boy. Actually, you know what? I'd have another one of like one of these girls, very rebe- uh, rebellious in spirit. She would definitely <laughs> want to date me. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, if you didn't have a date, then then the then. Well, not Jack Scop now, but at the time, Jack Scop would stand, make you stand up in chapel and like force people to get together in order to go on a date. Yeah. You know, it's it's like playing roulette. You know, who are you going to end up with? Yeah. And see, I'm like, you know, I mean, if we were playing craps, it'd be like, you know, you pull me, you're like rolling straight sevens every time. Okay. So you got your self compliment in this episode. Good to know. Wait, I only get one. You know, no, it's just that you have to. It seems like you have to have one every episode. Of course I do. You know, self-actualization is a is a fantastic part of the human experience and I recommend everybody should do it more. I would compliment myself, but at this point um I I'll love compliment I, you. You're very smart and you seem like you're a responsible person and I admire the struggle that you've been through. Oh, thank you. You're I was, very welcome. I mean every every word of it. I was gonna say that that I love and appreciate and respect myself, but as far as appearance based compliments, I don't have much to say right now. Uh well you're good I, at doing makeup. I, thank you. Yeah, I kinda feel like I swallowed a basketball <laughs> about now. What people haven't been like, Oh, you've got that pregnancy glow. 
Um, I don't know because like I have to wear masks everywhere, and that's oh, messing up my skin. So I feel like can't it can't, even, it's kind of canceled out. You can't even like see now. This must be the worst time ever to get pregnant because you can't even appreciate the pregnancy glow because you got to have your face covered up by a mask. <laughs> Although for some people, you know, when they get pregnant, their hormones are all out of whack, and so their skin gets all like oily and and gross, and like you know they break out and. Sh- yeah, so. and the, well, the really bad thing is like I don't know if I'm breaking out because of the pregnancy or because of wearing masks all the time. My life is really hard. It's yeah. like my life is so hard. Now, um, so I was trying to talk about that's going to Patreon because I'm trying to talk about the Valentine's banquet. Go for it. So from what I can tell, the Valentine's banquet has been going on at Hiles Anderson um, almost as long as the college has been open. It's a really big deal to be asked to the banquet. And you said it was like the HAC prom, and that's really accurate. So it's a formal activity. The men will wear suits, or if they're trying to impress you, they'll go to the tuxedo shop down the road and rent tuxedos. Uh, all the girls wear formals. So the weeks leading up to it are really fun because you're getting asked out. You're like, you know, if you don't have a good dress to wear, you're asking your roommate if they have a dress you can wear, and then you've got to get your dress approved by the modesty police, a.k.a. the dorm supervisor's. Uh, so the dorm supervisors have to say, oh, you can wear this. You can't wear this. Oh, this one. You can't wear this one because the neckline's too low. You can't wear this mm-hmm. one because it shows your your shoulders. You can't wear this one because. Well, people mostly just wear sleeveless or strapless dresses and then kind of modify. So you'll either sew an additional piece on. Oh, Or you'll wear like a little jacket. like a... And you guys are all good at sewing because that's how you've been raised. So you can do that right. super easy. Or if you're good, if you have a sewing machine and your roommate doesn't, you're suddenly very popular. Oh, I because see you're that. tailoring other people's dresses, and it's it's fun. It's like a, it's almost like a sorority aspect to it because people swap, so they'll they'll have a couple big dress swapping events every year, and then you call your date and you have to tell him what color you're wearing so that he can get a matching tie or a matching bow tie if he's wearing a tux. Um, the college. See, my, I would go the other way around. I would decide what I'm wearing and then tell her what color I'm wearing, and she has to match to me. You know what? Once again, one of us is married. Okay. <laughs> the but other like, one is not. <laughs> here's the thing. Okay. What if I end up dating somebody who does not have as good fashion sense as I do? I I don't. Which is a very distinct possibility because I have an excellent fashion sense. Okay. that that is That is true. And there's many women out there who, you know what? Uh, there can be many qualities about you that are wonderful and marvelous, but you may not have uh, like an amazing fashion sense. You know what? That's that's totally fine. A, that's something you can learn. But B, you know, like if I decide, you know, I look amazing in this, like, what are you going to do? Tell me that I can't wear that. So maybe I maybe I'm underestimating you because I had kind of assumed that you wouldn't be very attracted to a woman who didn't have a good fashion sense. You know what? Um, there are many things that I can find attractive about women and most of them aren't necessarily Say that again. <laughs> most of them aren't necessarily things that are deal breakers for me if she hasn't got them. You know, like huh. everybody's different. I don't have like a checklist of like my ideal woman made in my mind. Like I feel like that's super weird because then when you find that person, it's like you're not actually in love with that person. You're in love with the, the idea with your of checklist. that person. Yeah, you're yeah. in love with your checklist. I'm like, yep, got this, got this, got this. It's like I'm shopping for a car. Yeah, and I totally understand that. Yeah. Okay. We were talking about telling your date what color you're wearing so he can get a matching tie. Yeah. 
Matching tie. That's the only way that you can show uh, individuality, show color. Well, yeah. And the thing is that like this is a big dating activity. So everybody is very about matching. Uh, dude, I had this one. Okay. So this is a place for this story. I had this one dorm supervisor when I was at Hiles Anderson and other people may know who this is. Um, she's the same person from the firefighter story, which I will tell at some point if I haven't told yet. <laughs> I don't know the firefighter story, okay. but okay. I'll get to that eventually. This dorm supervisor that I had, though, she forced her poor boyfriend to match with her every single Sunday. Really? Yeah. So, like, they were at Hiles Anderson together, and she would buy him matching – she would buy herself outfits and then buy him matching clothes. You know what? Actually, respect. I, res- I respect that. Really? Yeah, I respect that. I mean, I would they be clothes that looked good on him? Yes. Okay, then that's fine. If she's like making him wear a color that doesn't look good on him, you know, like what would she? Would it be just like a shirt and a tie? Or would it be like? Yeah. So she would buy a, a turquoise dress, and then she would go out and buy him a turquoise shirt and like a a turquoise purple and black tie, and then she'd get purple jewelry to go with her turquoise dress. That's a bit of a vibe right there. So you know it was what? all kind of mad. And then she would make him, she would tell him to wear a black suit with it. So like everything kind of meshed together nicely. Interesting. No, I just thought it was weird that, that she made him dress the same as her. Well, what colors of suit are, are, uh, are acceptable for a Valentine's Day? Uh, for a Valentine's Day, uh, only black if you, if you at all can make it happen. What if- um, so it's, this, it's, a, it's a black tie event. But so you couldn't wear white suit. Um, I you know what I have actually seen people wear white suits to the Valentine banquet. You couldn't. You obviously couldn't wear purple suit. Uh, yeah, there are people who would have, but they would have been. Again, this would have been like a suspicion. Like, why is he trying to draw attention to himself? Kind oh, of thing. he's wearing purple. Is he gay? Like that kind of thing. It's like, is he gay or does he not take the world seriously? Does he not? Is he disrespecting his date? Like, there would be a lot of excuses for why a guy shouldn't wear a purple suit. I mean, if he looks good in purple, then that is absolutely not disrespecting his date. That his his date gets to, like, walk around with him and be like, F*** you bitches, I'm better than all of you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yes, but that's not how the IFB mind works. But I get how that would work in normal people brains. Yeah, like I mean, you you know, like when you go to the when you go to the function and you have the baddest girl in the place, like everybody's got their eyes on you and you're like you guys all hate 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 like that's that's a vibe and i can get with that i can see how that would be reversed for the opposite gender yeah if you weren't (laughs) at hiles anderson so one other thing that i wanted to mention though about hac valentine's banquet traditions yeah go for it the college will contract with a florist so that you can order boutonnieres and corsages for your date And this is relevant because when you get your date a boutonniere, this is one of the few times when you're allowed to touch your boyfriend. Like, remember I told you if you walk over a patch of ice, then you're allowed to take take his arm so that you don't fall. Uh, This is another one of those things that they kind of wink at. So if you get your boyfriend a boutonniere, you're allowed to pin it on his lapel for him. So just like you see couples really, really slowly walking over the ice or like lining up to walk over a tiny little patch of ice outside the church building or something, 
you will also see a lot of couples like very, very slowly and meticulously, <laughs> meticulously putting like way more pins than necessary into the boutonniere <laughs> because it's one of the few times you get to touch. Yeah. <laughs> just make sure it's stable. Yeah. Let, let, let's just, no, I just, I think it needs like two more pins just to really stay in there. Yeah. So like, so however many pins are in your boutonniere is directly proportional to how into you your girl is. Like, you know, she, yeah, she pins it once. It's because Jack Scott paired you guys up and she doesn't like you or know you. But if you've got eight pins in that boutonniere, then all I can say is that she probably needs to watch Bethany from Girl Defines YouTube video about how to resist the temptation of sexual sin. Oh, <laughs> I mean, so if the girl really didn't like you, I guess she just let you pin it on yourself. Oh, pour one out for my boy. <laughs> yeah, if she lets you, like, I mean, if if she lets you pin it yourself, I don't know what to tell you. That's rough, buddy. So anyway, we all we all were we're, we're very worried about being so nervous because we got to touch our boyfriends uh, that we were we were worried we were going to accidentally stab them with the pins. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so Hiles Anderson Valentine Banquet, you get through the the dress police and you get through the the ordeal of pinning a boutonniere on someone's lapel. And then you go, so you go, you walk to the dining hall and you go eat by candlelight in the dining hall. Uh, you see a musical written by staff members and like staff and students are in the this musical. I don't know if I would call it romantic, but I always thought it was kind of fun. Well, fun is romantic, you know. Yeah, and like dressing up dressing up was fun and the ones that I went to I thought were pretty chill. But what I want to talk about today is actually not the Hiles Anderson Valentine Banquet. I want to talk about the church Valentine Banquet. Okay, so what's the difference between the Hiles Anderson Banquet and the the church banquet? So, imagine you're a member, an adult married member of an IFB church. So usually the Friday or Saturday after Valentine's Day, your church will have a Valentine's banquet for the married couples in the church. So they sell tickets for it and it's like, it's like a big deal. So it's like an obligation, like you're expected to go. Obviously they, they can't, they don't make you, but showing up and participating is definitely an expectation. And if you choose not to do it, there's going to be some side eyes. Like everybody's going to know that you're really not that committed to the church. Mm. I mean, what are you going to do? Spend your tithe money on some expensive restaurant? No, you're going to buy your $40 tickets from the church and have a romantic night with your night with your wife with everyone that you go to church with. Yeah, because that's who I want to be around when I'm trying to put the moves on my girl is the old people that I go to church with. So this can go down a couple ways. <laughs> the first one, so I like to call it the Baptist Dundies. Have you seen the episode of The Office where Michael Scott takes all the employees to an Applebee's? And hosts like an award show slash variety show for the people in the office. And Pam gets like super drunk on the first one. Yes, I've seen the episode. Okay. And, my, and Michael gets heckled and cuts it short, but then they carry on to try to make him feel better. Right. So that's the episode. So the Valentine's Banquet usually doesn't have an awards component, but it has it very much has the vibe of that episode. You say usually doesn't have an awards component. Yeah, it could. Have you ever seen there be an awards component? Well, I've never been to a church Valentine banquet as an adult. 
The only ones that I've been involved with are when I was part of, or when I was like a teenager in the church and I was part of making it the show happen. I have heard of people doing, like I've heard of people, okay, I don't know if you know about this wedding trend. Um, there is this wedding trend a couple of years ago where people would give an award. So they, so they would have, they would find out who the oldest couple at their wedding was, like who had been married the longest. And they would give an award to the couple at their wedding who was married the longest, like a gift card or like a special little cupcake or something, flowers or whatever. And they would give an award to the couple who was the most recently married, who was at their, who attended their wedding. And they would give an award to the couple with the most children. And they, they you know, like having little. I have, I have not heard of this. Okay. This was a wedding trend a couple years ago. I don't know if it's trending anymore. If I ever do that at my wedding, then you will know that I have been kidnapped and this is not a person <laughs> who I actually want to marry. No, it's a, it's a thing that people do. If this is a trend at my wedding, I beg you, please object. Oh, see, I thought it was cute. Wait, did Jewish weddings have that? That's in a that's not even in a Jewish wedding. That's in a Christian wedding. I've never seen that in an actual wedding before. I've never been to a wedding where they said "speak now." Oh, all the Christian weddings I've I've gone to, they had that. See, I literally thought that that was only a thing in Shrek. Oh no, they had that at my first wedding. Really? Okay. Yeah. Mm. No, like no people. People. Somebody should that. have objected to that one. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, I this is have. not a good idea. You should have objected to that. One. <laughs> I I should have. That's yeah. that's who is responsible for that. Mm. Um, no, no. If I swear, if there's awards at my wedding and they're going to anybody who isn't me or my uh, prospective wife, then you will know that I have been kidnapped and brainwashed, and that you should like. <laughs> You know, tie me in the back room, like slap me in the face with like, I don't know, I, I like some fish or something, pour some water <laughs> over my head, just, you know, Captain Underpants it, make sure that like, <laughs> I haven't been hypnotized. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> the Valentine's Banquet doesn't have awards, like not like the Dundies, but it has the vibe of those episodes. Yeah. Except for they choose a restaurant that doesn't serve alcohol because a lot of IFB people will not go to a restaurant that serves alcohol at all. So you end up with this variety show type thing going down at like a Ponderosa buffet or something. Uh, what, what, uh, what's Ponderosa buffet? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, are you familiar with Ryan's buffet? No. Okay. Uh, Golden Corral. Any major chain buffet restaurant? No. I mean, like, when I was a kid, if we went to a restaurant, it would be, like, to get Chinese food or Tex-Mex, but, like, never, like, a buffet or anything. Okay. So, Ponderosa is a very low-end American buffet chain, which I believe has now gone out of business. Hmm. So, okay, for listeners who have ever been to a Golden Corral, it's the Wish.com version of that. It's it's styled as a steakhouse, so you can get, like, a really tough steak and a full salad bar and a buffet that has, I don't know, fish and, like, mashed potatoes and fries and mac and cheese and that kind of thing on it. Um, you know, stuff that's been under a warmer for a suspicious amount of time. You can get that for, like... I don't know, $11 for an adult. 
All you've got to say is wish.com. And I know exactly like the caliber of food that we're talking here. So yeah, they're the, so the mashed potatoes that they're pouring cream of mushroom soup over in a casserole dish came from a powder. I mean, I think that's the case at most buffets. But this is like the lowest echelon of American chain buffet restaurants. Um. Anyway, I, I don't mean to knock the the economic or cultural reasons that somebody might choose to take their family to a low end buffet. Sometimes people choose lower quality food, knowing that they can eat a lot, and that's one way to supplement not being able to afford as much food uh, on regular, you know, throughout the the work week or something. So I don't mean to to shame anybody, but I can tell you that this is not the place that would ever qualify in any world as taking your partner out for a nice dinner. So no candlelit ambiance, no no preset menu. Uh What you get is the rented out back room at whatever restaurant you went to. And then you, so you eat uh, and then uh, most Valentine banks would continue with you playing some games. Ooh. Games are fun. What kind of games are you playing? So if you uh, if you Google <laughs> um, Valentine Banquet game ideas, you'll get some real some real winners. I'm sure. There's one where each half of a couple holds a toothpick in their mouth, and then you put like a lifesaver candy on one of the toothpicks, and then you try to pass it to each other by lining up the toothpicks. But like lots of so lots of these games, most of them are like kissing adjacent games also lots of emergency trips to the eye doctor for toothpick related stab wounds i I mean you have to wonder most of these are not particularly safe like there's one where you you tie a balloon around somebody's waist and then their partner has to try to hug them hard enough to pop the balloon there's this other one so you get really long twizzlers candy you know the the really really long ones are like three feet long and super thin yeah. And you put one end in the husband's mouth and the other end in the wife's mouth and they have to like eat their way along the Twizzler to get closer to their partner. And then there's a prize for whichever couple meets in the middle first. And then there's also a prize for whichever couple can produce the smallest piece of Twizzler in the end. So I find yeah. it incredibly fitting that all of these games manage to like involve high fructose corn syrup in some <laughs> way or another. <laughs> <laughs> but like I mean, all these games they're all like oh try not to kiss try not to it's like the pg version of edging yeah but like in front of your entire church mm. ah. kinky <laughs> <laughs> so you know the game okay so i don't know if you've ever played this you went to college maybe you've seen this go down in real life the, the game with the playing cards like some people call it suck and blow so you um, have like a playing card over your mouth and then you have to pass it to the next person to their mouth and then they have to pass it. Like, you have to keep, like, a vacuum on it until you uh, pass it to the next person. Then you have to pass it down the line. I just want to – what did you say that the name of that game was again? Suck and Blow. Did you just need the sound clip of me saying that so you own my voice saying that now? Yeah. That's Great. I, I went to church. What did you do at church today? Oh, we played Suck and Blow. You know, that sounds – I'm not even going to get into that. That's the Church of David Hiles right there. There you go. <laughs> no, so like they do that, but like only between the couples, obviously. So you're like passing it from one person to the other. That is. But yeah, most of funny. these games are, are somehow kissing related. I did have one more story, though, about the Twizzler game. Yeah, go for it. So for some 
unknown reason, and before you ask, Jack Scop was not present. They had us, all of us teenage girls, play that at Teen Spectacular one year. So, like, a bunch of teenage girls playing this Twizzler game. Except for they had told us, obviously, not to kiss in the middle. They had told us to, like, see how close we could get without touching. And I'm not saying that the person running that game was was secretly videotaping it or had any <laughs> evil intentions or was Dave Hiles in stage makeup. But I But I had some strange and confusing feelings that day as, like, a 13-year-old girl at Teen Spectacular. So you find yourself trying to lose on purpose? Dude, I couldn't get up the guts to volunteer to play, and I couldn't figure out why. Oh, man. I was so- like, I couldn't figure out why I was terrified to go play this game. Oh, man. So, like, were, were you trying to, like, get partnered up with the prettiest girl at Teen Spectacular? And then afterwards, you decide that your life's goal is to try to be her best friend in the world. And then when she doesn't want to hang out with you or talk to you on the phone all the time, you become irrationally angry and decide that you hate her? I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't know. I couldn't like I couldn't get my brain around what the hell was going on. So was it like um was it like that time when they took you to Disney World and you were like hanging out with the <laughs> oh, Disney God. and you're yeah, there's this photo of Sadie. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's a photo of I Sadie. I haven't seen it yet. We'll release it when we when we get to the we'll next talk. episode milestone. <laughs> yeah, so there's this there's a photo of she went on she went to Disney World at one point. On my and- senior trip. Yeah, on her senior senior trip, she goes to Disney World, and she's hanging out with all the princesses. And there was this picture of her, like she's like, it's like you're trying to like hover hand to the princesses, yes. and you're just like, how like I, I don't like you can tell like on her face that she is like extremely excited <laughs> and really uncomfortable, and also she has no idea. It's the funniest picture I've ever seen. <laughs> I just I look so miserable, just like the the bisexual panic on yes. my face. You're just like, and then maybe you just had some uh, demons inside of you needing an exorcism. See, I still haven't had an exorcism. I'm probably just possessed by a demonic spirit of bisexuality. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all. That, that's all it is. Yeah. You know what? It's at some point, uh, assuming continued trauma recovery over the years. At some point, I ought to wholeheartedly try to let somebody exercise me and see if it works. Really? That could be really cool. Oh, man, that'd be great content. Like, listen, if I'm if I'm like, you know, still mentally stable and making good mental health progress and and feeling good in a year, I don't see why I couldn't. Yeah, Why shouldn't I have an exorcism? Well, like, okay, so like to be on the safe side. (laughs) <laughs> no, not that. Just like I feel like doing something like that under obviously under actual medical supervision. Um, I think that would be a neat experiment. See if somebody was could could do it. Here's a question: You go to the doctor and you're like, "Hey, will you uh, come to my exorcism just to make sure that there's no funny business going on?" At this point, <laughs> dude. At, so so you know the level to which I share on this podcast. Like you're yeah. familiar. What do you think my therapist thinks of me? Like, like what do you think is coming out in therapy? I'm, I'm sure that my therapist it would probably just roll with it at this point. Like, uh, because she okay. just kind of she knows me. So, 
I don't think that asking sure, if I could fun. Get, Who would I you get to do the exorcism? I guess it would have to be somebody oh, I from want the Catholic that famous Church. Guy. Right? No, I want that famous guy, Bob Larson. That's who I want. Oh, the guy with the demon dream team. Yes. Who we're going to – that's another episode we need to do soon. Yeah. But that's who I want. Anyway. <laughs> so they still they also play this other game. And I don't know why they let children play this at church functions either. Uh, but they will take that same like long twizzler, the same concept, but instead they'll tie one end around a Tootsie Roll. And then you start with the end without a Tootsie Roll in your mouth. And then the first person to like get the whole thing in their mouth without using their hands wins. Would you say that again? The first person to get the whole thing in their mouth without using their hands wins? Yes. Sounds like the perfect game for Valentine's Day. Yeah, it also sounds like a really great choking hazard. Um, <laughs> they so they used to let children play that at other church events, and that seems odd for multiple reasons. Maybe it was David Hiles' idea. Oh no! <laughs> I should I should not oh, be dear. laughing at that joke. That joke's terrible. Anyway, speaking of dangerous games, um, I saw a sort of combination of game and skit once where women. And this was at a Valentine's banquet where I was like, a, I was a teenager, but I was helping put the show on. Uh, women stood behind their husbands and tried to. Sh- so, so imagine like the the husband is standing in front of the wife. Yeah. And he's got his hands behind his back. And she's put her hands through his elbows. So it looks like her hands are his hands. Okay. And then she's trying to shave his face by without being able to see it. This seems like an absolutely horrendous idea. I mean, I don't know. I They may have had the blades out of the razors. I don't know. It just seemed terrifying to me at the time. <laughs> I mean, I suppose all the men are clean shaven. Right. So like, it's, it's just like get the shaving cream off without that, slashing an artery. That sounds terrifying. Well, so Why? if you... I don't know. But this is this is Valentine Banquet Games. And if you manage to survive game time without a toothpick embedded in your face or getting your skin shaved off or choking to death on a Twizzler, uh, the next thing you might see is some skits. Oh, God. Okay, so at our church, this these were actually cute and funny because we had talented church staff members. Um like my parents are actually incredibly funny people, um, and they would do they so they they would do wacky stuff. So one year, my parents dressed up as Sunny and Cher and sang "I Got You, Babe." Um, and my so I, in real life, Cher is like way taller than Sunny, and uh, my dad is goodness my dad is like eight inches taller than my so mom. your dad dressed up as Cher and your mom dressed up as Sunny. no they wouldn't they wouldn't oh, that's do a that bummer. but no but my that mom would have made it funny no so the 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 gag was like my dad slouching down to try to look shorter and my mom trying to survive in absolutely giant high heels okay that is kind of a, that is kind of a gag that and, is yeah well if you know my mom it's funnier <laughs> So, so I've seen footage from Valentine's banquets at other churches where the skits were very, very cringy. You know, ours you could actually get a decent belly laugh from because we had, you know, we had my parents, we had other people on staff who were actually talented. I can only imagine what the subject matter of those skits were, though. Okay, so I'm not really. T- I don't know. I don't know if you're trying to reference like weird Baptist euphemistic sex humor because that's not what it was. It was more like 
Saturday Night Live from the 70s, but with no set and with no costumes and also with people who can't act. Okay, do you remember when I had you watch Freaks and Geeks? Sure. Okay, do you remember when in the episode they had the drama club do a skit where they're like, drugs are bad? Yes. That's what I'm envisioning here. Okay, that's absolutely it. That was dead on. Yeah. So if you're lucky, like my, my church was growing up and you had a pastor or an assistant pastor who was actually funny, you might get like a good wholesome laugh out of the out of this. But the problem was that they're at other churches, like I've seen video of other churches' Valentine's banquets, and that's what that's the experience I'm speaking from. It's a lot of people who did not need to be involved in a skit being involved. Ugh. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, Gavrielle here. If you enjoy the Leaving Eden podcast, head over to our Facebook group, Eden Exodus, where you can talk to other fans, ask us questions, and share memes. That's facebook.com slash Exodus. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast, and you'll get access to extended and uncensored episodes. You can also support our show by recommending it to your family and your friends. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. And now, back to the show. So anyway, this at this hypothetical banquet, you've eaten. You've tried not to injure your partner in a public kissing demonstration. You've laughed, hopefully, maybe. And there's only one more thing that you need for a perfect romantic evening. Is there a comedy roast? I mean, there could be. Would it be like the roast of Jack Scop? Like they could make jokes like Jack Scop is the man who's very famous for having his shaft polished <laughs> in church. And I'm not talking about the sermon. No, but um no. Oh dear. No, it would be really taboo to roast a pastor. Um, that's what our podcast is for. <laughs> Wait, you you can't roast the pastor? No, you can never make fun of the pastor without his permission. Well, then why can't you – how can you have a roast? I mean, so, I mean, some of these pastors have a sense of humor, but most of them would never allow people to make fun of them. Just because, like fragile okay, egos. Well, yeah. You remember um, – you know, we, we've talked about this story about the the prophet who – some kids made fun of him for being bald, so he called down bears to eat them all. Oh, uh, yes. Jack Hyle's favorite verse. One of Jack Hyle's favorite yeah like touch not the lord's anointed so yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to make fun of the pastor especially not in a public forum Hmm. i mean but 
but I mean, but like, how do you? How is something funny? Is it all just like the past would show up and like be punching down? That's not very yeah. funny. Well, I I don't think this would be common for a Valentine's banquet. I, I'm just saying that it's not off the table. And if there were one, it would be well done. So maybe the pastor would stand up and make fun of like the least senior assistant pastor, or like the pastor's son-in-law, like somebody oh, that is like we socially- had a Jack Scott's birthday. That's what I'm referencing. Remember, like somebody that is socially acceptable for the pastor to make fun of. So we're, what we're talking about is a story where Jack Hiles was invited to Jack Scott's birthday party, and he brought him a birthday present that would be embarrassing for him to open. It was a, a gun holster belt that was way too large for him. So like that kind of thing is what you might see happen here. So Jack Hiles would get up there and say, Johnny Colston is a man who said to me that he would willingly take poison. And I'm not talking about his wife's cooking. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, like that's something that a lot of IFB pastors, including Hiles, might say from the pulpit like any old day. So mm. while roasting somebody might happen at a Valentine banquet, it wouldn't be the whole show. Okay. So what is the final piece of this aphrodisiac-catastrodisiac? In a lot of uh, IFB churches, you'd actually end the night instead with a good old-fashioned sermon from your pastor. uh, Or just a sermon from a guest preacher that your pastor invited to come preach at your Valentine's banquet. Just when I thought that this night couldn't get any better. Like, I tell you, nothing puts me in the mood for some loving on my girl, like some good old-fashioned fire and brimstone preaching of the good book. Uh, so, so with this preaching service deal, you could get anything from a nice short devotional about loving your spouse selflessly the way that Christ loved the church to an actual hour-long, rip-roaring sermon about how you're failing as a spouse and you're failing harder if you're a woman. I get you. So they're making sure that no good Christian woman is forsaking her wifely duties on Valentine's Day of all days. Right. So so all of this rigmarole, like, this can all happen, and, and it often ends with a sermon— so the, this can all, including the sermon, can happen at a, a buffet or like, so if your church is a little more liberal and doesn't mind there being alcohol in the building, uh, you could also see this happen maybe at like an Olive Garden. Uh, or it can take place actually at the church. Okay, I'm trying to, like, I'm still trying to imagine. Okay, so like, first, I'm trying to imagine being in an Olive Garden on Valentine's Day, which... I've got to say, fellas, if you take your girl to an Olive Garden on Valentine's Day, I hope that the unlimited salad and breadsticks is worth the pain and sadness and regret you feel the moment she dumps you. I mean, I don't have an issue with chain restaurants in general. And like I said at the top of the show, I don't put a lot of weight on Valentine's Day. But I think what you might be trying to to express is don't tell your girlfriend, oh, we're going to go someplace nice for Valentine's Day and then pull up to the Olive Garden. Like there's there's something local in your city. If you're if you're not in a place to spend a whole bunch of money on Valentine's Day dinner, there's some place in your city that's way better. That's like a local restaurant. Yeah. Even if you don't live in some place really cool like Portland, where there's, I mean, there's like a dozen super cool local places within a mile of my house. But if you even if you don't have that, I promise there's some place nice nearby. 
the other option, you can always just learn to cook a few nice meals. Yes. I mean, this is the type of thing that I would do if I wanted to end a relationship, but then like I didn't want to be the one to break it off. So, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but one of us is married and the other one is single. And this is something maybe you should consider in light of that concept. I mean, exactly. I'm single. Like the strategy works. Oh, and, uh, I see. I see where you're coming from with this. <laughs> yeah, dude. Post Malone's favorite restaurant is Olive Garden. I mean, I'd have. I just have no issue with chain restaurants. No, me I just neither. Think that, I mean, I, I just think that local places are are generally cooler. Yeah. Um. It, you know, depending on on the vibe you're trying to give off. Oh, I was talking about where this this atrocity can take place. So a lot of churches might have you dress up in formals to go to the Ponderosa or the Olive Garden, but a lot of churches will have you dress up to come to the church uh, and eat in the fellowship hall. So like long tables, maybe a cloth tablecloth if you're if you're lucky instead of plastic. And then they recruit the teenagers of the church to be cooks and waiters for the night. Hmm. So that's another possibility of where this can take place. And I feel like I'm now I've I've slipped into portraying these Valentine banquets as, as extremely grim affairs. Um like something that you feel like you're obligated to do. That's how I saw it growing up. Uh I want our listeners, if any of our listeners have ever been an adult that went to a Valentine banquet in an IFB church. So people who left a little later in life than I did. I would love to hear other people's opinions on whether it was really as um, depressing as I perceived it to be. I think a lot of pastors felt like they had to do one because First Baptist Church of Hammond always had one. And because Jack Hiles always made it out to be a big deal. The, the way that Hiles would talk about these affairs is, is he would say, like, this is something that your church members need. So this is something that they will enjoy. So IFB pastors... Feel, feel obligated to do a Valentine banquet, even if they aren't as well equipped as First Baptist Church of Hammond. On the other side of the coin, I think that the church having a Valentine banquet makes members feel obligated to come and participate. And from what I saw, I think they have their fun moments. And I think that if it's done right, it can be fun. It's not going to be you know, super, super romantic. But I think you know there, there's a definite possibility that some of them are fun. Overall, my perception, and again, I totally want people to write in and let me know if they had a different view of this than I did. But my perception is that a Valentine's banquet is something that the pastor and the church staff would really rather not do if they really felt like they had a choice. And it's something the members would really rather not do if they felt like they had a choice. And everybody kind of just goes and makes the best of it because it's what you're supposed to do. So literally everybody is phoning it in because they don't want to be there. I can't speak for every church, but I think this is the case in a lot of churches. I mean, that sounds like what happens when you get married to somebody at 20 and then you've never spent any time alone with them. And then you have two kids before you're 25. I think that's one facet of this. If you have a lot of couples in your church who did grow up IFB and they do see this as kind of the peak of romance, they're going to have a lot of fun. As opposed to people who would rather be at an actual nice restaurant having a glass of wine with their meal. Um, this cultural practice definitely does appeal more to people who were raised in the culture. I have a Facebook friend who 
uh, he and his wife are still both super sold out to the IFB. Uh, I keep them around as Facebook friends because they are some of the most some of the most graceful and merciful IFB people I've known. Um, and they are they they really really try to be loving people regardless of the the vast theological uh, differences that I have and philosophical differences that I have with them. But uh, he always posts every year how excited he is to take his wife to the Valentine's banquet. So to somebody who's super bought into the culture, I think this is a, a fun thing, hmm. for at least for some people. But the I think the larger picture, though, is that whether it's intentional or not, this is something that takes up time. When I was working at the Satellite Church for First Baptist Church of Hammond, same place that we had the the walk through rapture scare oh, your Jesus Halloween haunted house. house yeah that yeah same church we put on a valentine banquet for our church members that was really a step up from the typical we had actual actual good food uh china real china silverware cloth tablecloths actual romantic lighting live music i played piano during while people ate and i played like can't help falling in love with you and nice classical music and I thought we really stepped it up and did our best. There was still that vibe, though, of like something preteen kids would put together for their parents' anniversary. And it was it was exhausting. Like literally hundreds of hours of work from church staff and volunteers. So when it comes down to it in reality, I don't know if this whole idea is manufactured by somebody like Jack Hiles or by somebody before him, I wasn't able to find out who originated the tradition of church Valentine's banquets. And maybe it was invented by somebody who thought this was the best way to keep people from drinking on the holiday. Or maybe somebody's church legitimately wanted a Valentine's party for the married couples in the church. So I wasn't able to find the background of it. But I do think like it's become the sort of thing where it, it takes up people's time. Maybe they had it be bad on purpose so that the people who did go would guilt the no-shows extra hard for not attending. See, that's not a bad theory. See, like you brought up trauma bonding when we were talking about those hymns and the audience participation. Like maybe this is that sort of thing where you're like – you know, we all went through this horrible, cringe-tastic experience together, you know. Right. We're all and closer if you, for it. Right. And if you think about uh, a more – if you back the camera up to somebody's whole lifetime, somebody who stayed in the IFB church their entire life would have to work at these Valentine banquets as a kid or as a teenager. You know, you'd be doing work for the banquet. And then you'd be attending it later. So it's it's a little more cyclical if you look at it with the intention of somebody staying in the IFB their whole life. And you're like, yeah, I had to do this when I was a kid. Now it's my turn to get served. Right. Yeah. And, and I do think this is, this is something that IFB does often is taking ownership of holidays. I think we mentioned briefly in the Christmas episode just how much – the IFB continually adds responsibilities and work and time constraints and expectations around the holidays. And I think this is another key to their success as a cult group. Because all human cultures have celebrations and rituals and holidays. And I think that the IFB's co-opting of holidays 
is another factor that makes it so hard for people to leave. So it literally becomes impossible for you to develop any sort of family tradition outside of what you do in the church. I would rephrase that to say it becomes impossible for you to have any kind of family tradition that doesn't involve the church or work around the church's schedule. Mm. I mean, um, just imagine if the Valentine's banquet has been the thing that you do around Valentine's Day with your spouse for five years or ten years, how are you going to navigate a real-world Valentine's date? It's going to be awkward. It's going to feel like something is missing, and that's going to take you and your spouse some time to work through. Okay, well, so like if you do develop some sort of tradition outside of the church, like maybe, I don't know, like if it doesn't conflict... Maybe it's not Valentine's Day, but it's something that you do for some holiday and you develop some tradition and somebody finds out about it. Like, what are the chances that the church somehow like decides that it wants to be involved? So I don't think the church wants to involve itself in your own family traditions, but think of it. Think. Let me give you perspective on that. So you're going to church at least three times a week. You're putting your kids in the Christian school. You're giving 10% of your income to the church, probably closer to 20%. You're letting the church dictate where you go, what you do, how you dress, when you go on vacations, uh, the whole nine. You show up for conferences and revivals and holiday services, and you go soul winning at least once a week. And you probably have to work over – if you have a secular job that's not in the ministry, you have to work overtime to be able to pay for your kids to go to Christian school because they charge a lot of money. So you have like three unscheduled hours per week. And the church is going to say something like, oh, we would never want to interfere with your family time. Whatever you do with your time with your family is up to you. No, but they just want your relationships with your family to be as distant as possible, you know, for you to not allow emotional intimacy or vulnerability, even with your wife or with your children or with your parents. But those one or two afternoons or evenings, if they aren't taking up all your time, they wouldn't want to be involved in that at all. Right. It's really insidious because they will go on and on and on about, you know, this is this is a church where families work together at the church and, and your family time is sacred and nothing should get in the way of that. But they keep you so busy that when it comes time to actually spend time with your family outside the church building, your family is exhausted. Yeah. I mean, like I'm going back to what Jack Hiles said in his book and how, you know, it's not it's best to not let anybody truly know you. And like how you have to keep like up a, a proverbial curtain, even from those that are close to you, like your wife. Like you have to keep that mystery. Yes. yes. And I think that is half of this. But I think that the Valentine's banquets and the IFB treatments of holidays in general, I think there's another side of that same coin. So you know how there's a cult and it's literally just called the family? Wasn't the family one of Prince's side projects from the 80s? So the family that I'm thinking of was an Australian cult. But what I wanted to point out is that referring to other cult members as your family is something that's really common amongst cults. Okay, you ever start out at a job and like your first day at the job, they're like, oh, we're a family here. Oh, that is such a red flag. Oh, it's a huge red flag. It's code for we're going to work you super hard and expect tons of labor that you will never be compensated for because we expect that you do it because of your undying devotion, not because you need to pay bills or rent or eat or anything. 
Yeah. yeah. So this kind of this kind of relates to that. I think the other half of the concept. So you had half of it with not letting anyone get truly close to you. I think the other side of that coin is referring to everybody in the church as family. Now, church family is a common term within Christianity as a whole, and it's certainly not always insidious. Lots of people feel a familial connection to people that they go to church with, and their definition of that is that if if a church member breaks down on the side of the road and needs somebody to help them jump their car or change their tire, that they should be able to call another church member just like you could call a family member, like, hey, can you come help me? Or that if somebody within your church doesn't have food to eat, that they should be able to call another church member and that that other church member would help them financially if they were able to by bringing them some groceries. And I think there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's like basic living in community. Yeah. But the focus of doing so much together as a church, it heightens the insular nature of the IFB even more. And it, so what happens is it breeds people who are codependent. People who have a hard time coping without the support of their entire church as, 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 as a support system. And taking the holidays, like the, the church having expectations for you around every holiday, number one, it takes up time. And that's more time that you are spending at the church and not doing anything else. But it also... It structures your entire year around the church and the church's expectations. Hmm. And I, th- I think it it's, it pulls you deeper into cult-like behavior, if that's what the church is doing. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Because, I mean, last episode, you know, what we were talking about Girl Defined, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I keep remembering, you know, something that you said, because I like, I remember I thought that it was strange that these two, you know, fundy influencer sisters or fundy light, I guess, influencer sisters were so aggressively obsessed with chastity, like no sex outside of a Christian marriage, like so much so that like when they were thinking of, you know, a list of things you're not supposed to do, the first thing that uh, jumped to their mind was not, oh, do not commit murder, do not steal, do not worship false gods, commit idolatry. You know, the big ones, they're like, no, no sex outside of Christian marriage. That was the first thing that popped into their mind. And you said, I, I seem to recall that you said that it was because sex is like a hardwired thing. It's such a huge part of human nature like a biological need that if a cult can control your sexuality, you know, if a cult can take that away from you or or define that for you, that is essentially one of the greatest examples uh, like of a way in which that they can control you. So when we get to this Valentine's banquet, you know, maybe it seems like innocuous. Maybe it seems just like a fun thing, maybe sort of like a weird church function. But I think more than anything else, this is another like, data point, you know, like another example of a way in which this church is going to institute sexual control over its members. And like this year, like, you know, maybe, you know, if you're in a couple and it's Valentine's Day, you're going to go out and you're going to have a nice date and then there's going to be sex afterwards. That's sort of like expected. But like going to this sort of function where you're expected to like sexually perform or like mock sexually perform in front of everybody in your social circle. I mean, 
I'm surprised with the games that you told me because, you know, like I'm surprised that they didn't bring like a twister board, but like to then have your pastor berate you and shame you and generally ruin your evening before you do the deed, which, you know, you're going to do whether or not the mood has been ruined because your pastor told you that you need to. I mean, like I've never seen a better example of the church inserting itself into the bedrooms of its members. Like, we have talked about before if you need to if if you agree to give over pieces of your identity that are like the most sacred to you that are the most central to who you are as a person there's nothing that they can ask of you that you won't do and the contrast is not between the devotees and the casuals the contrast is between the devotees and the ultra devotees and so the spectrum has shifted the window has shifted and like the staunch people become stauncher and then they pull the moderates along with them. And so even something as innocuous as like a Valentine's Day function, when the IFB gets involved, you know, this is a way to indoctrinate people and just tighten your hold over them. Right. It, it's I think this is the kind of thing where every once in a while to to go a little Freudian on you, a cigar is just a cigar. Yeah. And it is just a goofy tradition that some churches do. And there are times when a cigar is just a cigar. But in this particular scenario, I think a lot of this is about, like you said, it's about sexual control. Mm -hmm. And it's about associating almost a, to, to do another psychiatrist, it's almost a Pavlovian association between sex and church. Which is weird, which also explains like a lot of the people being uh, like in the church being abusers. Yeah. So I think it's I think that's where the dysfunction I think that that is closer to the root of the dysfunction in in my opinion. So anyway, that is that is what I had to say about Valentine banquets. I think some of them I mean, I, I think that. Some of them probably function a lot like a Valentine's Day party that you might have with your friends like the weekend after Valentine's Day where you you eat chocolate and drink and have a good time. Watch Sex in the City. Sure. <laughs> but uh, I think that there are, there are some aspects of this that can very quickly and very easily and very subtly be turned into something that – that just paves the way for more abuse. I mean, could you imagine, like, I'm trying to imagine going to a party like this and then like, like bringing my girl to a party like this. Right. Uh, and then afterwards, like going home and being like, yeah, I'm still in the mood. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like going to this party would just completely like put the kibosh on all of like <laughs> I'm, I'm serious to be like, Oh, I just, I'm just not feeling it anymore. Like, You'd get home and be like, okay, let me know when it's like, I don't know, middle of March. Yeah, just See like, uh, you, you know, give me like two, three weeks. I need to shower 80 times between now. <laughs> like, however long 80 showers is, that's how long we need to wait from now on. Like, Ugh. yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, that's that's how I would feel like if I had to go to this. But you know what? I wasn't. I mean, if, yeah. But if you went to one of the ones that was, you know, like a, a more moderate church or one that was fun then it's just a goofy Valentine's party. And, you know, there's nobody preaching at you or anything like that. But some of of these, some of these IFB churches 
with an hour long sermon at a at a what's supposed to be a romantic couple's sermon. activity. Mm. Jeez. I mean, did you see that episode of Thirty Rock? Where I've seen all the episodes of Thirty where Rock, but Jack which one? was uh, who was he dating? He was dating Elisa. It was Elisa? Was that her? She was uh, his mother's nurse. Yes, and she was, that sounds right. She was very devoutly, she was Puerto Rican. She's very devoutly Catholic. And then they went to the the Valentine's Day Catholic church service and it was like very aggressive and he couldn't handle it. Uh, I don't recall that episode, but that sounds, I don't know. I love 30 Rock. That sounds right. That's That's like the type of thing that I'm envisioning here, but more baptist and not catholic yeah i I just feel like um i i feel like what caught my eye of all of this i i I can understand from an ifb person's perspective why you would want to have an activity that gets couples together so that they can they can have preaching about marriage uh it's a whole thing we'll talk about marriage retreats at another time because they do this more than once a year I, I can understand why they need to control that. I think what really stuck out to me is why have it around why have it around Valentine's Day? Like why does there need to be something that you're obligated to do around Valentine's Day? Yeah, and the other thing that I was thinking about is that like, you know, the way that a lot of these marriages work, you know, you've never had like or barely ever had physical contact with this person before you get married to them. So if you're like newly married, you don't like the physical chemistry is not going to be there yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna take a minute for you to like get comfortable with each other. And that might even take years, especially if you've never had the experience of like being physically comfortable around a person of the opposite sex. Like not even in an, in, in a romantic way, just like I feel physical, like very aware of my, of where my body is and what my body is doing, because I've been told my entire life that even the like slightest amount of physical contact with this person is a sin. So like when that's allowed, like you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where the boundaries are. I don't know what to do. You see what I'm saying? And then, so you're like, okay, well we'll have these like fun kissing parties and stuff it's almost like juvenile almost like infantile mm-hmm. like the, like middle school but like for adults because they don't know how to 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 figure this stuff out see what i'm saying right because well they never had a middle school they never experience. had a middle school, never school had a high school experience so maybe they're acting like teenagers now they never went to like a party when Ooh. That's an interesting take. Yeah, I mean, that is an interesting take because, like, you wouldn't know what to do. Like, you get married. You're like, okay, what do we do? Like, I can finally, like, okay, we kissed once at the altar, like, when we were getting married. And and the pastor said, you may kiss the bride. And we kissed then. And then we, like, I guess you can't really dance because, you know, there's no dancing. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you can't really dance. And then... And just like, okay, what do we do? Like, what like what do you do with yourselves physically? You don't know how to handle yourself physically around another person. Like around a woman. If you're a man, you don't know how to physically handle yourself around a woman. You're going to feel so awkward. Even if it's your wife and you're like, okay, we're going to be together like literally for the rest of our lives. Like, what do we do around each other? Yeah, no, I can, I can see where you're 
and you can't drink. You can't like be like, okay, let's get right. su- let's get super drunk and then just like fool around because just to like that's your like that's your solution, right? If it's you, a great so that's a very very good solution, right? Like if you want like the the boundaries to to come down a little bit, if you want the uh, if you want the guards to come down a little bit, you know, maybe you get you drink a little bit and you're like, okay, this can happen now. Maybe I'm a bit more acclimated. I'm a little bit more comfortable. I this is one of the few times that I ever just halfway think that I wish I had done the IFB plan of things all the way to like all the way to the point of being an adult in the church. Really? Just because I want to know what the thought process is like. Like most of the people that I know that married IFB like really did it the right way, not like not like I did with all my evil side hugging before marriage. But the the people who the people who did it like the IFB way. If you get to that point, a lot of those people never left. Or if they did left if they did leave, they didn't they didn't leave as far away as I did. I wish I could just get in a in a like a holodeck, you know, an experience. Right. <laughs> that that's what I wish. I wish I had a holodeck. Because I I would love to know what the experience was like of being an adult in some of these scenarios. Because all of my perceptions are from the point, from the viewpoint of being a child, or being a teenager. Yeah, and I mean putting that in there, like then, the, like the supreme awkwardness of these dinners. I mean, they would seem great. I mean, even if they were supremely awkward, because you know they couldn't possibly match the supreme awkwardness of going home with your wife who you don't know how to engage with on a physical or an emotional level or your husband who you don't know how to engage with on a physical or emotional level like this stupid game where you know maybe you you get to be a little bit goofy you know maybe you get to show a little bit of personality that's like top tier intimacy right there I I can I can see I just I understand where you're coming from and I just wish yeah. I just hope I think that I think my my closing piece here is I hope that somebody who attended these a Valentine banquet as an adult with their spouse will write in and let us know what what their perception was. Yeah, and if you have done that, please let us know because we are fascinated by this as as a concept. Right. Um, there's a, there's yeah. just so much, you know, of of philosophical interest. And I am I'm very thankful for not being IFB anymore. Yeah. Um and I'm I'm really thankful that I got out um before my mental health started getting really bad cuz that could have been a much worse outcome for me. So I got out at the right time and I, and, and I don't want to seem ungrateful. But man, I just I wish I could get into some people's heads and understand what what it was like to be a little bit of an older adult in the IFB church. Yeah. Maybe somebody will write us. That would be super cool. Yeah. And if you do uh, want to write us, you can send us uh, an email at leavingedenpod at gmail.com. And I think that's about all the time that we have for today. Uh, you uh, want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, it is at Leaving Eden Podcast. On Twitter, it is at Leaving Eden Pod. My name is Gavriel Ha Cohen. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at G A V R I E L H A C O H E N. Sadie, do you want to plug your social? Uh, yes. First, I wanted to say stream our single. Yes, the song that's playing right now in the background. Yes, that song on your preferred streaming service uh, or buy it on iTunes. 
that's all super cool. Yes, all the proceeds go to support this show, um, and so we really appreciate it. Uh, but if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at Sadie Carpenter Music on Instagram or at Hell Yeah Sadie on Twitter. Yeah, and until next time, uh, we hope that you guys have a nice day. Uh, join us on Thursday for our homework episode. Uh, all right. Bye-bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.